0: Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this time. Would you continue to do what you've been doing, which is to focus us on you? During this time of preaching, may people see you a bit more clearly, and may we all know how to live for you and love you a bit deeper. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Mac family, I can remember being in the pews the age of my children, the age of your children. I remember getting some of those different books, those little activity books. Sometimes grandmama would have all the kids lined up in the church and she'd give them a peppermint. All the kids got a peppermint and you get a little activity books. Sometimes you had a coloring. Sometimes you had a little crossword puzzle. But I, I wasn't drawn to those. I was drawn to the to the page that had an image, but then it had like 12 images that you had to find on the page. You know what I'm talking about, where it's like a farm, but then you gotta find the little the little brush that's in the grass, or the or the little baby bottle that's like one of the cow udders. You know, you're trying to find this little puzzle that that can get your mind going and you you're looking at an image but things are not as they seem. You see this picture, but it's, it's not as it seems, and so it's probably the reason why I still like puzzles as an adult. I don't like to do like sitting down puzzles, but we went for a friend's birthday, and we went to this place called an, an escape room. Now, escape rooms sound kind of crazy, you, you don't really supposed to sign up to escape from somewhere. But this was actually kind of fun, y'all. It was, a, it was a room that had a bunch of different riddles in it. And each time you unlocked one riddle, it led you to another riddle in the room. And ultimately, you escape out the room by uncovering all the riddles. It was like a, a, a big puzzle that you get to step into. But that light switch might have behind it a key or that refrigerator door might have behind it a a sign. And each of these things reminded you, you can't just look at this at face value. You've got to see it a bit deeper because there's more than what you are seeing. Today, as we dive into God's word, as we hear the Lord's word read to us from our sister D, and as we are going to be pursuing understanding from Christ. Today's goal is for us to realize things are not what they seem. Turn with me to Philippians as we look in the first chapter. You all know we've been in our, our we kicked off our series in Philippians last Sunday and we understood the, the power and the essential aspect of gratitude. That in order, in order to understand the concept that's going to be continuing out this entire book of joy, we cannot be joyous people if we don't first have a thankful heart. We're not first a grateful people. And so gratitude was the soil by which we began to understand what Paul is teaching us. And today he's trying to help us have a different lens, a Christian lens, an ability to see things different then you might naturally see them. I have an ability to see things not as they they may seem. Chapter one, starting in verse 12. Book of Philippians. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. This is uh, 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 Paul letting us know, hey, first off, the rip, things are not what they seem. I'm in jail now. I've been imprisoned. I'm locked up. And being in prison then was like being in prison now. If somebody called and say, Pastor Chris locked up, what's the first thing we going to say? What did he do? What, what, what happened? What, what's going on? Unfortunately, like, like today in, and then, if somebody had come out of prison, there was a stigma associated with them. You didn't look at that person as the grand marquee that you wanted to follow. You looked at them like, what's, what's, up, what's up with you? So Paul has been preaching this gospel. People are getting saved. Churches are starting to follow him, and then he goes to jail. And folks are starting to doubt. Folks are starting to question. They're starting to look like, well, well hold up, hold up, hold up. If the favor of God was on him, why are you in jail? If if he if he blessed. Why is he receiving probably the worst persecution you can imagine if if things supposed to be going right because he touched by God, then why is he going through this adversity? And so Paul early on wants to say, hold up. Things are not what they seem. You see, you may be looking at imprisonment as the sign that something has gone wrong, but I don't see it that way. Actually, I see the imprisonment as a new opportunity for me to share the gospel. And so what they would have every day, they didn't just have a cell, open up cell, C block four, let him in, close the door. No, every day there was a brother that sat with him for 24 hours, chained to him when that brother got off work another brother came sat chained to him and so paul says oh you think i'm chained to you you chained to me and i'm going to get you the gospel every day your whole shift i'm going to get you the gospel every day hour after hour and what started happening is this guard started sharing the gospel With one another, with others, with their family. And so while on the outside, it looks like Paul just took an L, he in jail. Paul's like, no, this continues the advancement of the gospel. And so, Lord, so and so what can happen is you can see that in the wrong way. You can see it and it leads you to fear or you can see it, understand what Paul is saying, and it leads you to confidence give you more strength it's a good challenge to us right my car broke down I'm frustrated dang it car messing up again I go into the to the to the car spot to take the car in am I kind and nice Do I see this as an opportunity for me to share the gospel? Am I looking for opportunities to sit next to someone? And because their car broke and my car broke, we both get an opportunity now to talk a little bit. You see, what this does at the onset is if we're coming out of a story about gratitude, he's now showing us there's an opportunity at all times for us to advance the gospel. So what situation do you find yourself in where you get a chance to share? Not just share about the beauty of your kids, oh, that's cool, or not just share about the new job you got that that's cool. Not just share about how you just got your hair busted in the hole now and that's cool. Do that. Give some referrals. Our brother Drummond might cut you up next time. Let's hook him up. But seeing it as an opportunity... For the gospel. So Paul gives us these words and and it and it and it shows us that what can seem like a setback can be a set up for success. What seems like a setback to the world with godly lenses can actually be a set up for success. So continue with me in verse 15. I will rejoice. There was this uh, this thing going on. Paul is a a man of stature, a man that everybody knows, a man that when he steps in the town, he brings great influence. But before Paul came on the scene, there was a church in Rome. Church in Rome preached the gospel, too. Church in Rome had some leaders too. The church in Rome was doing their thing, and and in Rome there were some leaders that had the mic. And when they would speak, everybody would listen, and they had crowds forming when they would talk. And when Paul came in, the crowd started getting a little smaller, a little smaller. You know, it's like if I had church today and somebody said, well, hey, you know, T.D. Jakes is outside and 80 y'all left. I'd be like, hold on now, T.D. Jakes. You know, like 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 people started getting jealous. They started getting envious of the influence that Paul was having. And so Paul now gives us an understanding of when he goes to jail, some of the folks that were preaching Christ are kind of. Jabbing at him. They're kind of happy that the, the guy getting all the clout to some degree is now locked up and see what that type of clout gets you. But then there's another crew. There's another crew. There's a crew that that is that is doing it out of selfish ambition. But then there in verse 16 is a uh, another crew that's doing it out of the defense of the gospel and the love of the gospel. So you got some that's getting bolder, sharing the gospel out of love, some sharing the gospel because they're trying to show that Paul wasn't all that. And Paul, instead of jabbing back at people from the jail, Paul says, don't matter as long as Christ is preached. No matter what they say about me, as long as Christ is celebrated. Ooh, that stang this week, y'all. That, that stung me. I Stang me. Sorry, y'all was like, what that mean? Not stanking. It stung me this week, y'all. The humility that this man possessed and showed that even with somebody dogging his name, this is the Christian community. Both are Christians. Both love Jesus. This is an in-house fight. And he's saying, it's all good. Take my name through the mud. As long as I hear that Jesus name is preached. What's that do for us? What's that do for us when we want to we want to make sure that we we give it to the person? What's that do for us when when our name might be dragged for the mud? What does that say to us of how high maybe we hold our name? Let's put that in my face this week with the gospel of maybe at times I hold my name just a little too high. And so I love that he that he helps us understand with great humility what it looks like to be a true champion of the gospel. And So continue with me in verse 19. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Christ, Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You've already seen A couple of times where things are not what they seem. First, prison is not what it seems to a Christian that says, great, I now get to share the gospel. Then slander on my name is not what it seems as long as you are talking about Jesus and you drag my name through the mud. Great. Jesus is proclaimed. Now he's saying. Probably the one thing that seems weird to every single human is that death can be a game. That's 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 counter to the way we think that death can be a game. Well, 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 what happens after death? We first got to understand that. What what happens after death? I I love the way this, this this brother Jim Denson put it. He says judgment ultimately comes to all to believers comes resurrection to life and to unbelievers resurrection to death. This is why death is such a pressing matter. Life is the time to make a decision for Jesus. Jesus told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Not only did the thief receive eternal life, he received eternity with the Lord himself. Jesus also taught the moment we die physically, eternal life with God continues after believers in Jesus die, they are forever and always with Jesus. And so death means something else to the believer who will always be able to be in the presence of Christ. But death is constantly like tempting us to scare us. Me and wifey, uh, we went to this to a comedy show, uh, we went to go see Sinbad, who I think is the the funniest comedian ever. We actually messed around and saw the mass there. So we chilling, and and you know we got our tickets and stuff, and we're in the in the like kind of open auditorium where you buy the popcorn and stuff like that. And then then it was either a security guard or an usher, but somebody came to me, and I'm like, uh-oh, sorry y'all, like. I, it's just my, my past, maybe my upbringing, maybe because I'm a black man. When security come up to me, I'm just like, what I do? I knew I ain't done nothing, but still, I just. And the security card came to us and they was like, we would actually like to see if you guys would like better tickets. We don't have some seats up front and we would like to fill in the front rows. Would you all like to be escorted to the front? Yes, we did. <laughs> and 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 in that moment, it was like a, a, a cool experience of, of even what the role of somebody can do for you if you in the right or wrong. See, if I stole something and security comes to me, now I got a problem. Now I got an issue. Now there's some things I got to deal with. Now there's some consequences that I got to have for conduct that was ungodly. But sometime when it's just favor, like the blood of Christ being washed over you and this savior comes to you and says now eternally in my presence. Like that security guard who said, come on, I got a spot for y'all. You see, family, death does not mean the same thing. And so it may seem like it's something scary, but but it's not what it seems when we actually see it through God's perspective. And this whole book, Paul is trying to get us to see things with a Christ centered lens. Death is but a. Transition to be with a eternal God. Death is. Is, is nothing to the believer. Death is just the, the subway to our Savior. It is the cab to our Christ. It is the lift to our Lord. It is, it is not something that paralyzes us, but it tempts us to fear. Death tempts us to escape. We, we understand why people respond the way they do. We understand why people. Due to the weight of the world. Sometimes see death as an escape. They think that if this pain is this bad, it can't be worse on the other side. So there must be this this rest that exists if I go ahead and just end it now. And so us Christians that get the, the Christ-centered worldview that lasts forever, let's not forget that people are experiencing some real pain, some real things that make them consider it, but let's make sure we have the gospel-centered voice, the voice that lets them know what the believer experiences and what the unbeliever experiences, that death is not. The the answer, we don't control death as a reason for providing our own health, but that God in his mercy is the one who is in control of that. And so we get the chance to see death in a different lens, but also see life in a different lens. He says to live is Christ saying all my morals, all my ethics, all my values, all my behaviors, all my rhythms, all my being, all my purpose is Christ. And so now when I look at those two things. How do I lose? How do I lose between. Christ being my everything today and also Christ being my everything eternally, even as I pass through death, how do I lose? But we lose today when we are not able to to see Christ in the proper lens. If you can. And you, you, you have your phones and you are able to to put something in the chat. I have this basic verse set up and and I, I can't take the credit. It was a brother named uh, Ellsworth that wrote a commentary called Opening Philippians. And it simply was had his little exercise to to put a blank phrase in the, the sentence to live is. You hopefully see it on the screen in here or at home. It will simply say to live is. Right. So if it if the scripture says to live is Christ. What are some of the ways the world likes to fill in that last sentence? Let's not just talk about the world. Sometimes me, sometimes you, sometimes the way we do in church, we get led off of that Jesus focus. And, and sometimes we fill it in with something else. Sometimes to die is gain is, is not what we write in. Sometimes we write in a little something else. Let's take a let's take a couple of examples. I say you write in to live is money. Then you write in. To die is. To die means you leave it all here. Lived your whole life to be able to attain, attain, attain. And then what? When you die, you can't. Come on, somebody, you can't do what? You can't take it with you. Whole life about that. Let's say money ain't your thing, but you like notoriety. You like being known. You like when you speak, everybody to listen and everybody jump. You say jump. They say, how are we jumping? Let's say you say to live is fame. Someday. Maybe not the day after you pass, maybe not the week after you pass, but someday. People will forget. Those cool things you're saying. Someday. It's going, it's it's going, it's going, you're going to be forgotten. And so the question is, what does it look like to say to live is Christ? You see these other examples, there seems like a win and then there's a loss. Seems like a, a benefit and then there's an internal loss. With Christ, you win and win. You live for Christ today. You win. To die for Christ is gain. You win. And so Paul feels this tension of which one should I choose? Both are so glorifying to God. Continue with me, y'all. Let it be a challenge to us to live is Christ. Verse 22. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. That's a that's a a person that's in a place of worshipful tension. And even though I could be with Christ. For the sake of you and God working through you, I'd rather be with you. I've watched people model this, 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 this. I have the opportunity for one experience that might seem greater to everyone else but for the sake of you for the sake of what God might do through you I'm going to choose you. I've watched that happen with many grandmothers that have stepped in and and raised grandbabies. Where they worked all their life and raised all their kids and got to a point where they said, "I'm g- hey, 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 finally, I've got a little bit of space. I got some time to rest. I can be about. And then comes along this beautiful little grandbaby. And for the sake of loving this grandbaby and seeing this grandbaby thrive and do well and be blessed and be cared for, granddad or grandmama says, Come on. Come on. We're going to live this out. We're going to celebrate this Christ. We're going to provide a place of comfort, a place of stability for your good. This is the better option. And we see Paul seeing the beauty of being with Christ, which is just put on hold. Just deferred for he knows someday He'll be taking his last breath and be able to enter into glory. It's a challenge to us all family, not simply to to just understand what's happening in the gospel context. I want you to leave always able to say, man, I learned about the Bible. I understand what God was saying, but I also want you to wrestle with it as a person to say, Lord, how does my character mimic this? In what ways am I thankful for the way you've grown me where I will make sacrifices for others? But there's some stuff I'm holding on to that if I had to choose, I ain't choosing God being glorified in somebody else. There's some stuff that, Father, I'm still struggling to let go of. There's sometimes I don't write to live as Christ, sometimes I write to live as me. Continue with me in verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and I see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened into anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. And so yet again, we get a chance to to see that things are not as they seem. That maybe somehow division has crept into this church and people are thinking, well, yeah, that's it. We're going to tell them. They wrong over there. They wrong. Well, how are they going to say that? And then the other team is saying the same. And now you got fighting going on within the body of Christ. And Paul is saying, hold up. Y'all think y'all y'all think this is. How it's supposed to be that we supposed to be beefing in the church We're supposed to be fighting in the church We're supposed to be seeing division take place. And he says, no. In this house, there is unity in this house. We stand firm with one spirit and one mind striving side by side. Been a crazy few years, y'all. The last four to six years been tough on the church we talking about economic disparity folks that was making less or making less folks that was making more are making more in the church we're talking about racial disparity where cultures are clicking up more and more because One feels misunderstood, one feels hurt, one feels ignored, one feels. And somehow we've allowed this to seep into our theology where we can see that division is somehow good for the church. We ought to challenge one another, celebrate one another, spur one another on, rebuke one another. But that's all supposed to be a part of edifying and bringing us closer. And so when he's saying stand firm in one spirit, he's saying, hold up. Somehow you all still got the worldly lens on. Somehow you all are looking at things from from a earthly lens. If this is brothers walking side by side, sisters side by side, then when you are side by side, you argue, you yell, you scream, but you don't let go. You get into it, you get heated, but you don't let go. Because we are one. And so as we have some 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 hills to climb together, there's got to be some understanding that takes place, some giving, some listening, some growing. We do so not because it's a cool worldly thing, not because the 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 uh, uh, the government is doing it or because nonprofits are doing it. We do it because we are one. He made us one. One And he gave us our marching orders. These last verses are like him giving uh, uh, commands to soldiers. Go be about this. And so we as family, when we get to a point where we say we're not trying to be about this, then that's a, a lens issue. Because I'm no longer seeing you in the way that God wants me to. I'm seeing things as the world would have me to. And so Paul is saying sometimes walking side by side means you need to be in one spirit and you need to be in one spirit because some suffering is going to come where you're going to need each other. There's gonna be some challenge to the fabric of the church where you're gonna need each other, and just like he was imprisoned for being about Jesus's business, it's coming to them next. And so it's preparation. It's preparation for us. I need y'all. We need one another. If nowhere else you hear that, you hear it from the pulpit. Need. Yes, there are some crazy super liberals and crazy super conservative church folks. I ain't talking about politics. I'm talking about church folks, and they need, we need one another. And so, Father, give us the posture to be able to stand firm the endurance and grace to be able to walk side by side with each other. And it all matters because of the uh, small word that was in verse 19. Verse 19 said, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, deliverance, deliverance. Deliverance is a word that Paul oftentimes uses to connect with salvation and being rescued. He uses this this kind of double whammy where he's saying, man, I want to be rescued from this jail. But the only way I'm rescued is because of Christ has rescued my soul. Christ has rescued this sinner. And so this deliverance that I'm experiencing, I wanted to be in the physical, but I've had it experienced take place in my spirit. And so the question for every person in this room or the question for every person listening is, have you been delivered? Have you been rescued from the, the, the weight of sin? Have you been rescued from saying to live is me, to live is food, to live is money, to live is fame? To li-. Have you been rescued from that? Have you been delivered? And if you have been delivered, then you now walk within the family of God. But if you haven't, it's a simple thing. It's a simple thing to do. It's not easy, but it's simple. Simple in the sense that you acknowledge that God is in control of everything and you are not. And that you want God to come into your life and to lead you and to take control and to be in charge. It's simple because it's easy to understand, but it's not easy because sometimes you want to take control again. You want to take the control from God. But that's where a family of people come around you, want to walk with you and want to celebrate you and see you learn how to. Submit to God's ways instead of our ways, instead of your ways. And that starts with a simple prayer. If you would like to pray that prayer, simply repeat after me now. Lord, I believe you are in control. I want to submit to your ways. Sin has ruled my life. But I believe through your death, Jesus, that you provide freedom. I want you to lead. Have your way in my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If if it's uh, your first time repeating that prayer, if that... Prayer was heartfelt and it and it wasn't the exact words that Pastor said, but it was but it was real from you wanting God to be in control, then today can be the first, is the first day of you having newness in Christ. And we celebrate that with you, and we are grateful for you. But if you are a person that has already made that journey, Pastor, I've been, I've been rescued. I've, I've already made that decision, then my question to you is, how are you doing with examining things that the world presents as truth, things that are not as they seem? How are you doing with continuing to have a Christian worldview as you look at all things, everything from your music selection to TV selection to the things you read to the voice you have, to the ways you love, to how you suffer, how you are challenged, how you go through pain? Are you constantly reassessing to live as Christ, to live as Christ, to live live as Christ? That's our aim. I was uh, I came past this example that I wanted to leave us with, and it was just a it it grabbed my heart a little bit. So. Says in 1981, a Minnesota radio station reported a story about a stolen car in California. Police were staging an intense search for the vehicle and the driver even to the point of placing announcements on the local radio station to contact the thief. On the front seat of the stolen car sat a box of crackers that, unknown to the thief, were laced with poison. The car owner had intended to use the crackers as rat bait. Now the police and the owner of the Volkswagen Bug were more interested in apprehending the thief to save his life then to recover the car so often we run from god we feel it is to escape from his punishment but we are actually but what we are actually doing is eluding his rescue don't run don't run anymore He is pursuing you. He is pursuing us. He wants to have control over your life, not to make you some goody 2 shoot as perfect, prim and proper. No, but to see you actually thrive and grow and be who he's created you to be. A woman, a man that reflects his image in every single way. Don't run from it. Embrace him. Be delivered, be rescued. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful that you don't give up on us. You're so faithful as the team was singing, Lord. Would you, Father, let someone that's running emotionally be be grabbed, let their heart be captured. Would you allow us all to see when when we are tempted to write to live is something different than your name. Let us see how dangerous and poisonous that is, that it ultimately leads to death. But you give life. Allow us, Lord, to live for you and you alone. It's in your mighty name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. Mac Church, I am grateful I get to celebrate Christ with you. And uh, Sundays are days that I get really excited about, but I, I get more excited about the seven days that we get to do life together. Because Sunday we get to have our focus, but then every day in the week we get to march towards achieving that goal. And I'm grateful that I get to do that with you all as a church family. So.